0: Hello and welcome to the Fit and Fabulous podcast with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope that you are feeling fit and fabulous. I am feeling fit and fabulous, a little bit stressed, I have to confess. We're in the middle of moving, except we don't have a date. But as you all know, moving is super stressful not super stressful but you know just that added stress my house looks like a bomb has hit it because there's bits that have been packed and bits that haven't been packed and all that kind of stuff which hopefully soon in a month life will go back to a little bit of normality albeit in a new and exciting and tiny house which is going to be a fabulous adventure for the next year a tiny house near the sea which is going to mean us cycling to school and back so I will let you know how that goes. And on top of the move, I am organizing my fit and fabulous, international fit and fabulous family summit, which is super exciting. It's going to be taking part, taking place on December the 4th to the 6th. Totally free to sign up and attend between those, those dates. I've got some amazing speakers who are talking about wellness, including parenting, because I think parenting is a big part of fit and fabulous families. Um, so you can sign up and attend that, drorlina.com, Fit and Fabulous Family Summit. At the moment, there's just a sort of holding page before I get all the details of all the wonderful speakers. There will also be the option to buy a lifetime ticket, which will be either 47 or $97, depending on when you buy it. And then you will have access to all those wonderful talks for as long as you want. And the other thing just to say before I tell you about today's exciting, exciting podcast is... I am still reaching out to people and want to chat to you about your issues in leading your fit and fabulous family life. So my aim is that you all lead a long and healthy life and really enjoy your healthy lifestyle. And I want to chat to people about what is stopping you, what's holding you back and how you can overcome that. So if you're interested in chatting to me, 30 minutes, just reply to one of my emails or email me at orlina at drorlina.com. So today I have an amazing treat for you, a really fabulous interview with an amazing doctor. And I will tell you a little bit of a story about how I managed to get Alan to come and chat on my podcast. So my sister keeps saying to me, oh, Orlina, my friend Hannah, her her husband is this amazing doctor. He's been on the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. He does this. He talks about the biome. And she kept saying this to me. And you know what it's like in families? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll check him out. I'll check him out anyhow, after she said this to me so many times, you know, you'll love him, you'll love him. He's absolutely great. I've realized that he was actually an old friend of mine and that we used to work together many, many, many moons. No, sorry, we didn't work together. We were both in Brisbane in Australia at the same time and we hung out. We were actually at different hospitals, but he was a good friend of a couple of close friends of mine and we knew each other. And so I think the last time I saw him was probably when my oldest child was a baby. So probably around 12 years ago which feels like an eternity ago. So I'm super excited to present this interview with Dr. Alan Desmond, and he's going to be answering this question, what is healthy to eat? And he has such a wealth of knowledge. And as I say on the podcast, he knew about the biome back in those days when we were all at medical school and nobody else had ever heard of the biome. And since then, he's gone on, he's a gastroenterologist, um, he works in Devon, he has an illustrious career as a gastroenterologist, but also he's really keen on the plant-based diet and he can talk about the the biome and essentially what is a good diet for us. And he's also about to publish a book. So I will let him tell you all about the book. So let's dive in and chat to Dr. Alan, Alan Dr. Alan Desmond, welcome and thank you so much for being here on the Fit and Fabulous podcast.
1: Well thanks for inviting me Orlina. It's lovely to see you again and lovely to be connected with your listeners. So thank you.
0: Now, I am super excited to dive in and you're going to tell us all about your book, your work, the plant-based diet and um the biome, the biome. I'm so fascinated about biome. I was listening to your podcasts that you gave me and one of the things you said in your podcast was that when you were at medical school, you knew all about the biome. Now, how is it possible that I didn't know anything about the biome until a few years ago? So do you want to jump in and start telling us all about this amazing thing called the biome?
1: Yep, The the human gut microbiome. So the good news for you, Orlina, and all your listeners is we are not alone. You know, we think that we are single people, single animals walking around the place. But in fact, we're carrying around with us hundreds of trillions of microorganisms. They're on our body. They're everywhere on our body. But in particular, they're in our bowel and most especially in our very lower bowel, in the large bowel or colon. And the colon is the home to the human gut microbiome, which is made up of hundreds of trillions of bacteria, yeasts, viruses and archaea these little microscopic organisms that are actually incredibly important to our health. So just think about those numbers, hundreds of trillions. So we've got more little bugs in our large bowel than there are stars in the Milky Way or trees on planet Earth. And while human beings are incredibly complex organisms, we've been around for maybe 200,000 years, the bugs that we carry in our gut microbiome are actually very primitive, and they're the ancestors of the Earth's very first uh, inhabitants these little micro uh, microscopic organisms and they're not just sitting there they're biologically active they're metabolically active they're uh, producing um, hormones and vitamins and minerals and proteins and biologically active substances which directly influence our health and just like a like any uh, symbiosis Their health depends on our health and our health depends on their health. And sadly, Orlina, in the last, you know, 30 to 50 years, um, the way that humans treat food, the way that our approach to food has become dominated by the standard Western diet, which is a highly processed, high junk food, high meat, high dairy High fat approach to food is doing our human gut microbiome no favors when it's trying to keep us healthy. And in humans, you want a really healthy and functional gut microbiome because, in its very essence, the microbiome wants you to be healthy. It wants to help humans to stay healthy. So you can very much influence what your microbiome does, how it's made up, and how it functions, and the influence that it has on your health by changing the way you eat.
0: It's absolutely fascinating. It's fascinating that we have so much inside us. You kind of think when you make that analogy to how many stars there are, I kind of think, wow, I've got this almost universe inside of me. It's just mind-blowing.
1: We've got more microbial cells and much more microbial DNA inside our bodies than we have human cells or human dna so it's incredibly important it's been described as a regulator for human physiology Um, and it's also been described as an unlicensed drug factory because the stuff that it produces is biologically active and has a real impact on your health
0: it's just incredible so i know that you're talking about keeping our bodies healthy and we want to keep our biome healthy by eating healthily. And I know that you have a book coming up. So how about you give us the secrets of how we're going to do this?
1: Well, the the book um, to really inspire people and get them on board is called The Plant-Based Diet Revolution. And the, the, the whole goal of the book is to help people to learn how to build their meals from the same foods that humans have thrived on for generations and it's not complicated those food groups are not complicated these are fruits vegetables whole grains beans nuts and seeds and if you are making your meals completely or predominantly from these healthy plant-based sources of nutrition you will help not only to optimize your gut microbiome but also to optimize your health your performance and in the book we break it down in fact we uh, go through the science initially But we also reveal exactly why that leads to a healthier gut, a healthier heart, a healthier body and even a healthier mind. So one key thing in the book was about keeping it accessible and actionable. So we go through it step by step, looking at the science in a very easily and understood way, uh, cutting through the diet confusion to explain why eating plants is a healthier option. But then the book also provides 80 beautiful and illustrated plant-based recipes. So as I said to you earlier before we started recording, at its very heart, it's really a healthy cookbook. But then alongside the recipes, um, we have four people who have tried eating these delicious, completely plant-based recipes. And they want to push it a little bit further and want to experience the benefits of eating a completely unprocessed whole food plant-based diets themselves we have it within the book we have the 28-day revolution which basically provides the uh, shopping lists and the day-to-day guide to buying storing prepping and cooking healthy whole food plant-based meals every day for 28 days and after enjoying 28 days of eating things like you know, spicy baked beans with sweet potato, farrel, uh cauliflower, butter, bean, and charred dal, or banana pecan ice cream, and all these lovely, familiar, easy-to-prepare recipes, um, people can decide for themselves whether they're going to maintain a completely plant-based diet and lifestyle, which I would recommend, really, both on a personal and a medical basis, or whether they're just going to continue 90% or 80%. But really, I just want people to Have a book that cuts through the diet confusion, makes the science easily understandable, but then provides with all the lovely recipes and the plan. And then I guess the final component of the book is some extra resources, some tips for shopping and little uh, what we called the plant based Q&A, which goes through all of those questions that always come up like, will I get enough protein? Um, Will I get enough calcium? You know, do I need to worry about soy? All these all these questions that come up time and time again. Over the last few years, um, Orlina, through my practice, through my public speaking, and through various online courses that I've run. And I run online courses with Stephen David Flynn at The Happy Pair, who are, um, you know, plant-based chefs and educators. I've really been privileged to help, at this point, g- genuinely thousands of people make the change to a whole food plant-based diet. So really, the book is kind of a distillation of everything I've learned um over those years between two covers so it's really really great having worked on it for over a year um, to have it very close to being on bookshelves and being able to talk to people like you about it so again thanks for having me on
0: well congratulations and it sounds marvelous i am all about the vegetables i think people get a bit bored of me going on and on and on about vegetables <laughs> <laughs> like how can you teach your children to eat healthily and i like, just give them more vegetables But another thing that I really see and I think is really important is this idea of keeping it easy as well. Because let's face it, we're all busy. We've all got lives that we have to lead. And as much as I would like to say, you know, you need to spend hours and hours creating amazing food. The reality is we don't have time. And also, I think we don't need to. I know I'm lucky. I live in Spain and we have beautiful vegetables here. But actually, vegetables are really easy and really simple when you've got those amazing recipes at your fingertips. So I'm super excited to delve in and thank you for gifting me the PDF of it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Oh,
1: And you'll see that the recipes we do, we had this thing. So I worked very closely with an old friend of mine called Bob Andrew, who's a really experienced chef. Um, he's worked with Riverford Organic Farm for years over here in the UK. Uh, for anyone who's familiar with the Riverford cookbooks or any of their products or their veg boxes. Um, And when we were designing the recipes, we wanted them to meet the criteria for being healthy, unprocessed, and completely plant-based. We wanted to make sure that when we designed the 28-Day Revolution Meal Plans, that it would be nutritionally complete in terms of calories etc which actually is very easy to do on a plant-based diet the numbers kind of all fall into place as long as you're eating three meals a day you're nutritionally complete but when we were designing them Orlina, we kind of had this um, rule of thumb which we call the sainsbury's test so we wanted to make sure that you could take our shopping lists and go to your local sainsbury's and for anyone not living in the uk sainsbury's is just a kind of middle-of-the-road um, high street supermarket here where a lot of people do their weekly shop. And uh, we just wanted to keep it really simple. And every recipe just makes two servings. So there's enough for now and enough for later or enough to share with one person. Or it's quite easy to double it up and cook a family meal for four or six people. Even.
0: It sounds absolutely amazing. Now, one thing I do want to talk to you about is this idea of plant-based. And I think mm. it's you know an interesting conversation about... Well, do we need to cut out meat? And another question I really have is this idea about veganism and cutting out all dairy products. So, regarding the meat, you know, I've seen lots of articles about how bad meat is. And regarding the veganism, I see so many people on either side of the fence. It feels like it's a very polarized argument. Some people, like yourself, and um, oh my goodness, my brain is not working. How Not to Die, the gentleman who wrote that. Oh, sure. Michael Greger. Thank you. And um, Volta Longo is another one who wrote Mm. the um, the longevity diet sort of in the vegan camp. But then other experts like, for example, Dr. Michael Mosley, who's Mm. less in the vegan camp and, you know, advocates things like eating some Greek yogurt and all those blue cheeses. And I guess really my question is, well, what exactly do you recommend and why?
1: Yeah, well, this is a real. so this is, what you've just asked me there is, what should I eat in a, like, to to boil that question down, (laughs) you just said, what should I eat? And that's a really, really important question. And in fact, Orlean, it could be one of the most important questions of the 21st century. Because in the last 50 years, as human food has been replaced by the standard Western diet, as I said. So in the UK now, 55% of calories come from highly processed foods. So junk foods that look nothing like the food that humans have thrived on for generations, things that our great grandparents wouldn't even recognize as foods, account for 55% of calories consumed in the UK. One in five people gets 80% of the calories from highly processed food, inverted commas, junk food. In the UK, we consume more meat, eggs and dairy than we ever have in the history of humanity. In the US, the average um, adult consumes about 100 kilograms of meat per year. Um, They've hit what they describe as peak meat. Every year, meat consumption is going up and up and up. And alongside this change in our dietary practices, where we have moved to eating depending on processed food, animal products and dairy for the majority of our calories, we have seen an incredible rise in chronic diseases, which are driven by, largely by, or sometimes completely by our dietary intake. So obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, diverticular disease, in many cases, colorectal cancer uh, things like uh, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis or fatty liver disease, which, as you know, as a medic, is fast becoming our number one cause of cirrhosis in, in high-income countries. These are dise- diseases driven by food. So the, the, if we look at the UK, for example, right now in the UK, dietary factors account for more illness and disability than alcohol use and drug use combined. In the US, dietary factors alone are the number one cause of illness and disability. Why? Because the standard Western diet drives all of those illnesses that I just talked about. And those are the things that are reducing our life expectancy, our quality of life, and our healthy years lived. Now, a few years ago, Well, first of all, just say there's so much confusion out there, right? Because you've just you've just alluded to some of the confusion. And there is so much confusion out there, both for medical doctors and people who aren't medically trained. So in the newspapers, you will constantly see various dietary approaches being advocated. So so the question is, is it high fat, low carb? Should we be recommending paleo or vegan or Mediterranean? Should we be recommending moderation? So what's the answer? What should I eat? It's the same question, right? So last February, February 2019, the Lancet Medical Journal, so one of the world's oldest and most respected medical journals, um, published a report, the result of a a review of the evidence. So they had appointed a commission called the Eat Lancet Commission of 38 um, world-renowned experts on food, uh, human health, uh, epidemiology, medicine, and also food production, and asked them to, des- to answer that same question, what should I eat? And the answer they wanted needed to be relevant to the almost 10 billion people who live on earth, including the 720 million who are, have poor health because they can't get enough calories because they're living in an environment where they don't have access to food. And the three and a half billion people who are living in poor health because they have too much access to food and they're living on a standard Western diet. And they asked the this commission of experts to just go and look at all the evidence and come back with a blueprint for a healthy diet. And they published last February 2019, the Eat Lancet report. So I would completely recommend that all of your listeners Google the Eat. Lancet. Lancet report and just have a look at what they recommended. And it's a really interesting, detailed document, but I'll tell you exactly how they described a healthy diet. So a healthy diet should consist by volume of approximately half fruits and vegetables. The other half should consist of primarily whole grains, plant sources of protein, unsaturated plant oils, and Optionally, optionally, modest amounts of animal sources of protein. And when they talked about the optional or the option of including modest amounts of animal sources of protein, they were very clear that choosing plant based sources of protein first is your go-to. That's how you're going to be healthier. But if you live in an environment where you don't have access to things like beans and nuts and legumes, and you are living in a, a situation where you've got you know, food scarcity, if you do have access to animal-based sources of protein, then yes, that's important to eat them because humans need protein to live. We need quite a, quite a, quite a lot of protein. So they suggested that you might like to eat um, seven grams of red meat per day, 30 grams of poultry or fish per day, or I think it was about 54 grams of egg per day. And they suggested keeping your consumption of animal products to those, what were they called modest amounts. But when you compare it to how we eat in countries like the UK and the US, those are actually very low amounts of food of animal-based Um, sources of calories the reason they recommended keeping the consumption of those foods low is because you eat more than that they start to drive disease things like obesity and heart disease colorectal cancer etc so they were very very clear that they were recommending that people eat a whole food and completely or almost completely plant-based diet and that's what i recommend and that's the structure that we've built the book around but um, we have a section at, this, at the near the start of the book called how to eat like the healthiest people on the planet. And this is the approach that we recommend. But every single recipe in the book is completely plant based.
0: Happiness. And it's absolutely amazing, isn't it? When you say seven grams of red meat, that's like a teaspoon full of red meat. <laughs>
1: Well, well well that's important though so, so they, they recommended um and they're not alone on this i mean th- this approach to food is is has become endorsed in recent years by multiple authorities um for example the american cancer society um the official guidelines for treating type 2 diabetes in the u.s recommending a completely or mostly uh plant-based approach the uk's dietary guideline the eat well guide which is a little bit out of date right now but if you look at it online you'll see that it's almost exactly the same it's it's about fruits and vegetables and whole grains and when it comes to protein rich foods choosing plants first if you look at the canadian healthy eating guide published last year in 2019 it looks the same fruits vegetables whole grains protein rich foods uh, prioritizing Plant based protein. First, the Canadian healthy eating guidelines actually really interesting because um, the Canadians in Canadian style very politely declined to be um, lobbied by any food producing industries when they designed their um, healthy eating guide last year. So they didn't have the egg industry or the dairy industry or the meat industry or the broccoli industry um, lobbying them. They just looked at the science and they came to some very similar conclusions to the Eat Lancet report. The Canadian healthy eating guide um, doesn't have a dairy section. It doesn't have a meat section. It says drink water and eat plants. And so to quote, it says eat vegetables, fruit, whole grains and plant based protein sources. The, so a whole food plant based diet is compliant with the current UK healthy eating guidelines. With the Canadian Healthy Eating Guidelines, with the Eat Lancet report. And it's almost compliant with the US uh, Dietary Guidelines for America, um, because the US Dietary Guidelines for America still include dairy. Uh, whereas a lot of other dietary guidelines are removing dairy. But in August of this year, uh, Orlina, the AMA, the American Medical Association, one of the world's oldest, most respected professional organizations for doctors, wrote to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, who write the U.S. Dietary Guidelines, asking them to stop listing dairy and meat as mandatory food groups in the U.S. Dietary Guidelines, because, and I've got the quote here in front of me, um, and I'll read it to you, actually, because I think it's worth reading. Uh, It says, dairy and meat products are promoted in federal nutrition policies, even though they are not nutritionally required. The AMA notes that Black Americans are particularly high risk for prostate cancer, colorectal cancer, and cardiovascular mortality. And prostate and colorectal cancers are strongly linked to dairy, processed meat and red meat consumption. Such products also contribute to cardiovascular risk and are not nutritionally indicated for all diets. So I imagine in the future we will see meat and dairy becoming optional in the U.S. dietary guidelines as well.
0: That's very interesting. Now, I would like to flip the coin a little bit and talk about those processed foods and why they are so incredibly bad for us. And Mm. when I was listening to one of your podcasts, you talked about emulsifiers um, being one of the sort of evil culprits. So could you tell me a little bit about emulsifiers and really importantly, where do we find emulsifiers?
1: Yeah. So emulsifiers, um, you know, we talked, I talked earlier about highly processed foods. So your junk foods, your, you know, your store bought cakes and bars and Mr. Whippy ice cream and, You know, anything that has a shelf life beyond what you would normally expect food to last, basically. You know, a slice of cake that comes in a plastic wrapper and stays fresh for nine or 12 months. These highly processed foods. And, you know, when you talk about, whenever you describe highly processed food, people kind of smile and throw their eyes up in the air. But the fact is, for most people in the UK and the US now, these are their main sources of calories. These are where people get their calories from now. So they are not, they're they're not... I guess they're not really food, are they? They're they're produced industrially and they are filled with chemicals and other um, emulsifiers and preservatives and flavor enhancers to make them taste delicious. So that will keep coming back for more and to make them taste fresh and moist and yummy. So one of the things you heard me talk about was emulsifiers. So these are chemicals that are added, for example, to like cream cheese to make it even creamier. Um, they're also added to... Um, things like Mr. Whippy ice cream, they're added to some uh, plant-based milks, they're added to processed meat products like uh, pepperami and all these things, because it makes them a little bit soft and a little bit creamy and improves their mouthfeel. So you're talking about chemicals like polysorbate, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, etc. And the names alone give you the clue <laughs> that these things have no business in the human digestive tract. One of the one of the illnesses that I spend a lot of my time treating is Crohn's disease. Um, so a form of inflammatory bowel disease where sections of the bowel become inflamed and unhealthy. Um, it's a condition that's incredibly debilitating, lifelong, takes an awful lot of treatment, and for for patients diagnosed with it, about fifty percent of them will actually end up having parts of their bowel removed surgically because the disease has gone so far that a part of the gut is no longer functional. So it really can be a very debilitating disease. So if I give you the example of how emulsifiers are linked to that condition, it gives you an idea of the effect that emulsifiers can have on your gut. So in patients with Crohn's disease, the human gut microbiome contains a particular bug called adherent invasive E. coli. You don't generally see it in healthy people. Um, It seems to be very especially linked to Crohn's disease. And what it does is it sticks onto the gut lining, gets through the protective mucus layer, gets itself brought into the body to get in contact with the immune system and generates an immune response, which then causes damage to the lining of the gut, making it red and sore and dysfunctional. So maltodextrin, which is an artificial carbohydrate or sugar, which is added to almost every processed food you can imagine. Next time you see a chocolate bar or anything like that on, on a supermarket shop, pick it up and flip it over, you'll find maltodextrin listed because 98% of Americans consume it more than once per day. Maltodextrin promotes the growth of adherent invasive E. coli and other damaging bacteria within the human gut microbiome. Not only that, it also degrades the protective mucus layer that protects the gut lining from coming in direct contact With the contents of the gut, emulsifiers like polysorbate 80 also degrade that protective lining, allowing the bacteria to come in direct contact with the lining of the gut. Not only do they come in direct contact and get in and get exposed to the uh, immune system and cause an abnormal immune response, these um, artificial foods also degrade the integrity of the all-important intestinal barrier. Which is designed to keep the contents of the gut separate from our bloodstream and our immune system. So you end up with what's colloquially referred to as a leaky gut, where contents of the gut, bacterial products, even food products, are able to enter the bloodstream, um, producing a state which we refer to as you know chronic inflammation because it drives chronic inflammation within the body. And as you know, or in a chronic inflammation isn't just associated with things like Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease. It's also a common um, causative in things like heart disease, uh, even depression, stroke, and you know numerous medical conditions, including obesity and type 2 diabetes. So these processed foods, these highly processed foods, which I get it, they're yummy, they're tasty, they're nice occasional treat, they should definitely be an occasional treat and when i'm recommending to individuals that they eat a plant based diet the first two words are a whole food plant-based diet so you're talking about fruits and vegetables and legumes and whole grains and you're just avoiding these highly processed foods as much as you can and i guess the secret then about you know adopting that way of eating is about making that kind of mindset change And getting used to these new recipes. I guess in most households, Orlina, people probably have maybe eight or nine or ten recipes that they keep coming back to and they kind of rotate those through a week or two. And you know, in my book and in many other lovely plant-based books, we've got like, you know, dozens and dozens of yummy plant-based recipes. And I'm hoping that people will buy the book, read the science. And then explore the recipes and that they'll suddenly have a new nine or 10 recipes that they have on rotation and are the favorites in their house. And there'll be things like the goulash hot pot or Pakora bean burgers with sweet potato chips and raita, et cetera, et cetera, that are just yummy, familiar dishes, but also tick all the right boxes in terms of improving your gut microbial health and your overall health.
0: I love it. I love it. So. Yes, I'm totally with you. And I think it's all just about habits and systems and creating these healthy habits and systems. What I hear you saying about these processed foods, I find really, really scary on one hand. But on the Mm. other hand, I find it actually that the alternative is healthy eating. And it's actually just so easy. There's nothing difficult about it. What you're basically saying to us is, Eat lots of vegetables, and that is just doable. It's not like you know we have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and run a marathon and do a bit of meditation, although you know you can if you want to. But the essence of healthy living is just simple and easy and has amazing results,
1: absolutely. No, earlier this year, um, because you know you're a fellow medic, and I guess this is this is stuff that we don't really. You know, we're not taught very well in medical school. These are things that I, I guess we just view as outside of our purview, or we don't think we've enough time to speak to our patients about it. There's a sense of nihilism that even if I tell someone or give them some tools to do this healthy change, they probably won't do it because they're too busy. And so it's just something we don't really learn about or that we're not really taught about. But in the book, I give details of this great challenge that we ran right here in Southwest Devon at the start of the year, uh, just before the pandemic. So I spoke at a few conferences for doctors and I challenged. So I spoke about all these benefits of a whole food plant-based diet in terms of preventing and helping to treat and even sometimes reversing so many of the chronic diseases that GPs and frontline doctors end up spending their time treating all the time. And I then challenged my audience to discover the benefits for themselves. Uh, for themselves so we signed up over 100 health professionals Um, about half of them were doctors mostly gps and then we had you know um, clerical staff dietitians pharmacists etc and over the course of 28 days and bearing in mind that coming into the challenge almost nobody was eating a plant-based diet this is the southwest of england after all so things like processed meat red meat clotted cream dairy very much on the menu heading into this challenge um we challenged them to eat a whole food plant-based diet for four weeks and i teamed up with my friends stephen and david flynn at the happy pair so we were able to give them all the recipes and shopping lists and th- they were eating beans greens fruits vegetables nuts and whole grains for four weeks things like pan-fried mushrooms with spinach uh, tofu with greens and quinoa Uh, lentils, spaghetti bolognese, black beans, veg, beans and rice, that sort of thing. But importantly, we asked them to embrace this way of eating for just 28 days to eat as much food as they like with no calorie counting and no portion control for just 28 days. Now, heading into that challenge, um, I'm just going to talk about a a few metrics. So high blood pressure really important major driver of heart disease and stroke when we went into the challenge and we had a pretty healthy group these are kind of middle-aged health professionals so they're doing a lot of the right things already but their diet isn't whole food plant-based so we're heading into the challenge um only 37 percent of the challengers had a completely normal blood pressure the remainder had pre-hypertension or hypertension so only 37 percent after 28 days of this way of eating 58% of challengers had a completely healthy blood pressure. In fact, among the challengers who had early or established high blood pressure, we saw an average drop of 13.7 millimeters of mercury, which is about the same as going on one or two tablets for your high blood pressure. Heading into the challenge, um, 37% of the challengers were either overweight or obese, which actually Compared to the UK average, which would be 64% is really good. So sixty, so sorry, 37% of challengers were overweight or obese at the start of the four weeks. At the end of four weeks, we'd reduce the prevalence of overweight and obesity from 37% down to 27%. And in fact, the challengers who entered the four-week period living with obesity dropped an average of 5 kilos or 11 pounds. So I saw colleagues fellow doctors who had been living with obesity for years, often for most of their adult lives, dropping into the non-obese category. And, you know, those numbers are incredible. But actually to see the, you know, the smiles on their faces as they realized how making this one extra change, just changing their approach to food... Um, Just seeing that realization among my medical colleagues, who were often the most difficult people to convince, was really rewarding. And the results that we saw in terms of cholesterol were extremely impressive. Obviously, when you're eating a whole food plant based diet, you're eating a naturally cholesterol free diet because cholesterol is not made by plants, it's made by animals. So if you don't eat any animals, you don't eat any cholesterol. So, again, heading into that challenge. One third of the people in the challenge had an elevated non-HDL or atherogenic or bad cholesterol. So one third had high bad cholesterol heading in. After just four weeks, we saw an average 30% drop in bad cholesterol. After 28 days, 94% of the group had reduced their cholesterol to the healthy range. And between that drop in blood pressure and that drop in cholesterol and drop in body weight, we had significantly reduced their risk of heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, and other lifestyle-related diseases moving into the future. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive, right, for four weeks?
0: It's absolutely amazing. But And again, the really good news is how easy it is and how, you know, the results are basically pretty much instantaneous.
1: Well, you start to see the changes in your human gut microbiome within days. So the number one determinant of the makeup of your human gut microbiome as an adult is the food that you consume. So when you switch to a whole food plant based diet, which is naturally higher in fiber with a greater diversity of plants, High in naturally occurring, healthy plant-based sources of protein. Within days, you see increases in the fiber-loving bacteria within your gut microbiome that produce short-chain fatty acids, which help to control your appetite, help to control your blood sugar, help to uh, maintain the integrity of your gut epithelial barrier, starts repairing the damage that your previous approach to food may have been imposing on your system, Within days, but within 28 days, within that first month, there's plenty of studies out there showing, including the one I just described to you, but, you know, published studies showing how you can reduce gut inflammation, kickstart healthy weight loss, and normalize blood sugars. Over the years, Orlina, I've helped lots, you know, thousands of people to make this change, and whatever their entry point, whether they were adopting this approach to food to help with gut health issues or type 2 diabetes, or hypertension, or obesity, or if they were coming into this from a different perspective, which may be the perspective of planetary health and reducing their personal carbon footprint and an impact on the environment, et cetera. Within those first four weeks, you just see so many beneficial changes that um, you know. I'm often asked, um, do, I, you know, do I recommend a whole food plant-based diet because of the health benefits? Because it can help to prevent and reduce and treat so many gastro uh, health issues? Do I recommend it because it improves your cardiac health and your heart health? Do I recommend it because it helps to prevent type 2 diabetes, a condition that's going to affect one in 10 U- UK adults within the next few years? Or do I recommend it because it's substantially reduces um, a person's impact on the environment and helps to reduce your personal carbon footprint? Or do I recommend it because of animal welfare? And is it because I'm concerned with the, you know, the, uh, I guess, the, um, the way in which the 60 billion animals a year who were raised and slaughtered to be eaten are treated? Or do I recommend it because the World Health Organization has, excuse me, the United Nations has identified increasing demand for animal protein as the number one driver of zoonotic pandemics like the coronavirus. Which of those which of those is my number one reason for recommending a whole food plant based diet? I guess it's all the above or whichever appeals to you the most, because what have you got to lose? It's just about changing your approach to food, to this evidence-based, healthier approach to food. And then you've got all these incredible side benefits. And if animal welfare and global health and environmental concerns and preventing the next zoonotic pandemic are things that excite you as much as they excite me, then great, then great.
0: I think we would all like to uh, avoid any more pandemics. So let's just go back to your book. First of all, which is your favourite recipe on the book? And secondly, when is it out and where can people get it from?
1: The f- My my favourite recipe in the book. That's just a very, very, that's like asking me to pick my favourite child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we've got these lovely um, savoury farinatas in there. So a farinata is uh, kind of a Mediterranean or Spanish style omelette or crepe, which is uh, traditionally made with graham flour or chickpea flour. And those are just really yummy and delicious and filling. Um, we also have um, these lovely uh, spicy beans. So you're, start, you're using um, haricot uh, yeah, harico beans with a little bit of balsamic and a little bit of tamari. And you can slow cook down some onions and some garlic and then you add some passata. It takes about 20 minutes to make. And you've suddenly, you suddenly need a little bit of um, harissa if you want to make it spicy or some chili flakes. And within 20 minutes... Instead of just cracking open a can of beans, which is fine. Do that too if you're in a hurry. But if you've got the time, just an extra 20 minutes. And you've got these lovely, spicy, fresh-baked beans, um, which we serve with, with these farrels. So if you don't know the farrels, you just get some potato. You cook it quickly. You can microwave it or boil it. And then you work it into a dough with some flour. We use whole-grain flour in the book because it increases the dietary fiber. And then you turn that into like a nice little um, flat um, wedge and you just heat it up on the pan back and forth and it makes this lovely lovely uh potato farrel so that's potato farrel with spicy beans those are two that come to mind right now but uh those are two of my favorite recipes i guess
0: that sounds amazing i'm going to get my children to make that i i give them uh recipes that they can make the things that i think oh you'll really enjoy making this and it's going to be a bit of a treat like cakes, any cakes that are in our house have to be made by my children because I refuse to buy them. Well,
1: my, my middle girl loves uh, Naomi, who is, oh, my God, how old is Naomi now? She is seven, loves making those beans. Uh, I leave out the uh, spice, though, so we do an unspicy version for her. And uh, my little boy, I mean, this morning, um, you know, I was up early this morning and uh just getting the kids involved is so important so my my four-year-old um so i helped him to make a big bowl of porridge with um applesauce and grated apple and because he was involved in stirring it and mixing it and all that he sat down and enjoyed it you know and it's just you know you we, we didn't quite get around to talk about how to get your kids to eat healthy food but i think surrounding them by healthy options and getting them involved in the process and you know we have in our dining room we've got a shelf with maybe thirty plant-based cookbooks on there, and we just let the kids browse through them and find stuff that they think they would like, and then we make make an effort to go and cook them and get them involved. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't like it, that's fine. I'll eat it. Yeah, <laughs> But exactly. it's just it's just about putting the options in front of them and, and and helping them to find their own way. You know. Absolutely. But the book the book yep. is available to pre-order now. Uh, the plant-based diet revolution. 28 Days to a Happier Gut and a Healthier You. Um, You can pre-order it on Amazon. It'll be in your hands in hardback on January 7th. You can also order it through bookshop.org, which is a nice way to buy the book online, but also support your local independent bookstore. Um, It'll be available in the UK and Ireland um, in hardback on January 7th. It's also going to be released in the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and elsewhere. It will be an ebook on January 7th. But in those territories, the hardback will be available in early April.
0: Fabulous. Congratulations. And where can people find you online?
1: The easiest thing, Orlina, is Instagram. So if you just search Instagram for Alan Desmond, A-L-A-N-D-E-S-M-O-N-D, and you'll see Dr. Alan Desmond will pop up. That's me
0: happiness Alan thank you so much for being with us here today oh it's
1: been lovely yeah we could do another hour
0: (laughs) there you go thank you so much Alan for your time remember you can pre-order his book which is available from January the 7th on Amazon I will leave a link in the show notes what a fabulous gift that would make to your family and to anybody else who is thinking about enjoying plant-based food now just a reminder My Fit and Fabulous Family Summit is going to be December the 4th to the 6th. You can sign up at drorlina.com, Fit and Fabulous Family Summit. And if you would like to chat to me about your healthy living journey because you want to lead a long and healthy life, then just reply to one of my emails or email me at orlina at drorlina.com. I will also leave a link in the show notes to my calendar where you can just book a 30-minute session. Have a fabulous day and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Remember, you can sign up for Dr. Orlina's Simple System to Healthy Living for Families at com slash simple dash system If you have enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you share it with somebody else who would also benefit so that I can reach more people and help more people live healthily. And lastly, if you are interested in working with a coach, then just email me at orlina at drorlina.com and we can set up a time to chat. Absolutely no obligation. I love chatting. So come and chat with me. Bye-bye.